Hail and well met. Welcome back to another episode of Self-Evident. Today we're going to talk about modesty and it's our first episode in our little series about modesty. Well, first official episode. Technically it's our second. That's right. First (laughs) official episode. So today we're going to kind of talk about modesty, some definitions of it, and um, kind of explain, I guess, like our view on it, right? Would you say? Yeah, and also the ripple effect that clothes have exactly so kind of uh what would you say the definition of modesty is yeah that's a good place to start there are two definitions that i came up with well one i just looked up the dictionary definition because i thought that would be helpful um the dictionary definition is the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities is one definition and another definition is behavior manner or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency Hmm. So that's what the dictionary definition of modesty is. And actually, I don't think it's a terrible definition. Then I think a good biblical definition to go off of would be acting and dressing in such a way that accords with the biblical definition of godliness. I I agree with that. Um, So what would you say that the biblical definition of modesty would be? That's hard. I feel like it, it very much starts with the heart problem. And it's hard when you start getting into that because... Very often what's been done is people will say a biblical definition of modesty is skirts can't go below the knee and et cetera. And, right. But I, it quickly goes into legalism. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think that's the right place to start. Yes. What you said is so, so good. It, it is very much conviction based. Right. And that's not to say that you can go and and dress extremely immodestly if you feel like it's OK and if you don't have guilt about it. But it's more so to say that there are certain Uh, very strict set boundaries that most people should know or at least be aware of and then based off of that and all the like little gray areas where you're not quite sure it's really something to be um, examined searched out because ultimately we are representing the body of Christ based off of what Eliana just said about um, well you can't necessarily pretend that you have no conviction about oh I can just wear whatever I want I can be as immodest as I please because as we learned in the first episode we do wear clothes for a reason. Yeah, I mean, we kind of referenced this already in our introductory episode when we were talking about how clothing matters because we don't really think about it. We just put on our clothes in the morning. We take our pajamas off. We put on our day clothes or we put on our workout clothes and we don't really think about it. But biblically speaking, we wear clothes for a reason. And we referenced this in the introductory episode. If you guys want to go back and listen to that, But one of the lines from Rebecca Lutzer's book mentioned that true modesty will come only from a holy relationship with Jesus Christ, not as a vestige left over from the Victorian era. So kind of to Ellie's point, modesty is of the heart. It stems from the heart. And I mean, Jesus said this. He says that out of the heart flows the issues of life. Exactly. And there's a lot of verses that that kind of... um go along with that like if a man knows what is right to do and fails to do it for him it is sin and so yep, james four seventeen. exactly oh okay james and so we see it uh, all throughout scripture how what we do is largely based off of um convictions and motivations and you know i actually think it's it's really cool because that's also kind of proof of the holy spirit right absolutely is that the holy spirit works in us to help us to understand these better and ultimately build us to be more like christ true no that, that's true i think a good place to start when um trying to figure out what a biblical i guess definition of modesty would be is some of the scripture that talks about 
clothes or modesty or just the way we look. And one of them specifically, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And that verse isn't saying you can't braid hair or put on jewelry. I mean, it's assuming you're adorning yourself. But it's the idea that the way you dress should reflect who you belong to and the idea that it starts with your heart. Exactly. It's like whose you are and that way you dress in a way that's according to how you want to present whose you are and who you are, you know? I mean, I think Jenna had really good points on how clothes affect you and those around you, right? I did. And well, before I delve into this point, um, I do want to uh, give a little notice that most of my commentary is originally said by either Doug or Nancy Wilson, a pastor and his wife, that have really shaped my thinking in this area. And that's because they aren't afraid to talk about it. I kind of know I, I quote them an awful lot, especially Pastor Doug, uh, that, but that's because their writings and their opines are so refreshing. Uh, they don't dance around uncomfortable subjects. They say it as it is, and they don't tickle people's ears. You either get offended or convicted or usually both. That's a really good way to describe their teachings, actually. <laughs> yeah. Highly uh, recommend checking them out. Yes. I, I would completely uh, and totally highly encourage you guys to go check out Canon Press, which is their publishing company and their own respective podcasts, Blog and May Blog, which is Doug Wilson's, and the Femina podcast, which is Nancy Wilson's. Now, off of that tangent, how do clothes affect you and how does it affect others? Well, Thomas Brooks, a Puritan preacher, once said that clothes and company do oftentimes tell tales in a mute but significant language. And that means the way we dress is a language. Our clothes are tales about us. And what we wear reflects and affects how we behave. Really fast, that's actually a biblical principle. Well, I don't know if I'd call it a principle, but that is illustrated in scripture, specifically like Proverbs 7.10, where it talks about someone being dressed as a prostitute versus not. Yeah, and Pastor Wilson does reference that a lot, like in Isaiah, where they're uh, discussing like the daughters of Jerusalem are dressing like this and they have wanton eyes. And what you were saying earlier about like it's an issue of the heart. The wanton eyes set the tone for what they're wearing. Exactly. And I, and I think that it's it's an um, incredible reference actually to uh, what Jenna's point was about how, you know, how you dress really does reflect who you are on the inside, and I think in a lot of ways, it also reflects who you're eventually going to become. Yeah. So I wanted to give a few examples, if that's okay, about how does what one wear affect how one behaves. Well, taking it outside of the realm of clothes, have you ever gone longer than you should have without food? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did that Honestly, today. Yeah, that's, who hasn't? It's, it's Kenna. That's Kenna's life. Um, notice anything different in how you interact with others and how you feel in general? Oh, 100%. Well, that's the same thing with cleanliness, right? And Alyssa and I were talking about this earlier where, you know, if you don't exercise on a regular basis, you're, you're, you kind of just feel not not really human. And so that's yes. the same thing with cleanliness. <laughs> it's the same thing with Bible reading. And it's also the same with how you adorn yourself. When wearing an elegant cocktail gown, that's going to affect how you behave. You aren't going to feel very inclined to play rugby or spit on the pavement. And if you're in pajamas, you aren't very likely to perch on the edge of your chair, primly cross your ankles and pull your posture up. That's 
does that does that a good analogy like does that I, make sense? I, I think so analogy. i think it's a great great analogy and, and, and part of it is that it just it doesn't fit and i think as 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 christians and you know people in general have the want for things to be right and we really have the innate like desire for things to be right and for things to fit together and to be accurate like categorize exactly and to portray what is true and it even comes down to this like you're exactly you're not going to sit all prim and proper if you're wearing pajamas because it's just it's not what you do yeah the those are your clothes that you relax yeah and this is more for like the girls but like i know like with me when i wear makeup and when i put like some makeup on i feel refreshed i feel like put together and confident yeah Yeah. completely 100 percent and Another example of how it affects not you, but others, how what one wears. There was a study done by the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin about how women see other women who wear red. And it was a very, very interesting study because they had a group, uh, three groups of women, uh, women that wear a green shirt, women that wore white shirt, and then women that wore a red shirt. The study shows that Men find women who wear red as more attractive and more sexually appealing. And then, no, but the study wasn't just, because everyone knows that about men. Yeah, there's been multiple studies done about About something about the color red. The experiment was how do women perceive women? And it showed that women are more likely to guard their partner from a woman wearing red than green or white. That's actually really funny. It is really funny. that That means women will be, other women will be envious of you when you when you're wearing red and they will think that you would are inclined to be less faithful to your f- future partner because they think that you are tend to be more promiscuous um that's just the mindset that women subconsciously have when seeing other women wear red and i'm not saying that goes for every single woman i'm saying that's a general um a general rule i really think and i'm somebody who colors affect me very very much like i i just you see the world in colors that's right Unless you're colorblind. I think that's pretty <laughs> average. But um, yeah, so basically, I think that it's it's less less has to do with like the actual color itself and more that we perceive colors in different ways to mm-hmm. be different things, like how we might perceive like green is jealousy, right? And, and or envy. And, that, and it's possibly because of, you know, like what people have attributed these colors to. But it also probably just has something to do with, I mean, I guess even the way we're made, you know, like blood is red red is an alarming color in other in other ways and that's a good point that's a very good point when something is red your eyes are drawn to it which probably is has to do with the effect why of clothing maybe yeah. men oh, are yeah. more attracted to it because your eye is drawn to it yeah and, and why that's women, are women are just like oh dear so anyways that that whole tangent is basically an example of what you're wearing even if you're doing it unintentionally does affect how others see you um nancy wilson in her Femina podcast episode titled Clothes and Company, she splits clothes into different categories that aren't mutually exclusive, but they're helpful to have on hand when adorning yourself. Well, I, I know what everyone's thinking, and modest clothing is immediately the category that comes to mind for Christians when someone says we need to be aware of what we wear. Um, but there are other categories, like, for example, sloppy clothes. Um, sloppy clothes generally speak volumes about one's character. It, it kind of spins a tale of laziness because it was just too much effort to look nice, a lack of love for others, like I don't care what people think of me. 
and a general ignorance and lack of self-awareness. I know that Eliana had something to say about this, though. Yeah, and I, I think that that's true to an extent. Like, I, I, I think that you have to also kind of judge the place of, of where you're going to go. But I don't know if I would say that sloppy clothes all the time mean that, like, you're lazier to say, like, you don't care about others. You of know? course. I think it reflects things about yourself, but I don't know if it reflects the way you view others. Exactly. Yeah, like, in our generation, in Gen Z, mental health issues are a big issue in our society. And I know for a lot of people who deal with that stuff, it's very hard for them to make themselves look nice. Yes. And to be able to do that. So, Yeah. But that only kind of solidifies my statement that clothes are tales about you. Exactly. So when, when it's an effort for someone to look nice and they just can't put that effort in, that is reflecting of where their mental state is. Yeah. It's still telling something about it's them. It's still telling their story. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like, even if they don't mean it that way, it is sort of like a cry for help. Like, I I don't have the effort. I don't have the capacity to do this anymore. I'm I'm in trouble. And it's kind of like a little SOS flag. Exactly. And so if you if you struggle with like dressing nice or dressing sloppy often, we're not trying to sit here and be like, oh, you're lazy. You don't care about people. No, you're no, being no, no. modest. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying in general, try to dress in the accordance of how you want to be perceived and how who you are, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I probably should have um, precluded all of this with this is not the rule. It is a, it's a general rule, if that makes sense. It, there's there are obviously exclusions. Actually, on this note about sloppy clothes, and we can include this or we can't, um, the Middle Tennessee State University, they had an article about a history of ripped jeans. And they had uh, some interesting things to say about this. And I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this. I have a couple excerpts of quotes from there, and I'm just going to read them real quickly. So, wearing torn and holy denim pants didn't become a fashion statement until the 1970s, when jeans were commandeered by the punk rock movement. In 1973, designer Vivian Westwood and Sex Pistols band manager Malcolm McLaren, they opened a London store named Let It Rock, which sold clothes that were considered outside the mainstream of fashion. The type of clothing they sold would be things with safety pins in it, graphic tees with slogans, anything that showed anarchy, intentional rips and tears and stains and things like that. The whole idea of doing the do-it-yourself stuff to your clothes was to show that you felt isolated from the mainstream culture. The rips and holes popularized during this decade were a symbol of the anger and nonconformity with society that defined the punk rock movement. Ripped jeans became synonymous with dissident cultures that traditional thinkers deemed outcasts of normal society. Because of this bad boy association, the baby boomer generation accepted the trend of ripped jeans as a rebellion against their parents and their authorities. The grunge movement was based in anti-fashion and the notion of not caring about what clothes you wore. Combined with the rise in thrifting and secondhand clothing, wearing ripped jeans was not an intentional fashion statement, but a byproduct of the anti-fashion movement. So ripped jeans especially even though they were negatively perceived, have always maintained some sort of relevance throughout the decades. The association with protest and social anarchy that ripped jeans has maintained throughout the years has only strengthened that relevancy. And that's the end of the quote from the the article. But that's that's the history of ripped jeans. And I'd love to hear your guys' take on that. I, I find that very interesting. I do 
somewhat agree with the idea that ripped jeans are sloppy. Personally, I don't find them as fashionably attractive. I think they're a little too a little too casual for me. I think that, you know, pants should not have holes in them generally. I actually kind of like them. Um, I, I don't really have many pairs of jeans that have rips in them, but I don't, I don't really mind them. And I think that this is like another one of going back to the whole like issue of convictions where maybe then when they started to beca- become a thing and it was really about rebellion and, and, you know, being different and like rebelling against a movement that maybe there was a little bit more to it. But now I just feel like it's kind of just a fashion statement and it, it goes along with like a lot of other things. I don't know. That's I kind of like them. Yeah. It, it definitely also just depends on where you're going. Oh, that's Like if you're true. going to a nice place, don't wear ripped jeans. Absolutely. If there actually just, are like, guidelines in certain yeah. restaurants that you cannot wear Well, if you're jeans. just going to like school or if you're just right. going, like depending on, on the ripped, of course. But if you're just like going about your daily life, right. like they're okay. Well, when I was, in, when I was at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend – Mar-a-Lago actually has a dress code that they give you. You are not allowed to wear any type of denim. Very Men have to wear suits with suit coats. So there are dress codes that a lot of different places have. And one of the ones that was very interesting was denim is not allowed there. Very that's interesting. Very interesting. interesting. I wonder if that's just because they don't want to deal with the ripped thing or if... I think it's because they want to maintain a level of formality, and jeans are generally Mm. informal. That just goes back to Jenna's point that your clothing really does affect somewhat the way you act. Yeah. When you're wearing a suit coat, you're not necessarily going to be lounging on a lobby couch or something like that because you're wearing something that makes you feel official and proper. Um, So they really do communicate messages, even if you aren't aware of them. And Sloppy clothes was just one category. I have I have a few more, so bear with me, and please interrupt if you need to. Um, outlandish clothing would be another category that would tell a tale about you. So think Met Gala or basically any fashion show nowadays. Outlandish clothes tell a story of the wearer that's not very flattering. It bespeaks insecurity, vanity, self-centeredness, pride, lack of wisdom, because who wears peacock feathers if not to be noticed and praised? Yeah, I I think I think that's an interesting point because I do agree with a lot of um like yes, it's obviously wrong to want to wear clothes to be noticed and that sort of thing, but I also do know of a lot of people who um some might consider their clothes outlandish. They might not consider One of their, my favorite their clothes outlandish. Yeah, one of my favorite artists, Jacob Collier, uh intentionally wears all of these brightly colored clothing that you don't think should go together, but somehow it does on him. Um yeah, sometimes people just have personalities that match clothing that, you know, we would consider exactly. outlandish to wear. Not everybody who wears outlandish clothing is doing it specifically for the purpose of being noticed by everybody else. Uh, some people just really like the style. And yeah. and even more than that, I know some people, they really just like to dress that way. And it's kind of an art form. And so I do think it's very true. Do not dress outlandishly to try to attract attention to yourself or to be make it be focused on yourself but like as an art form I like again I really think it depends on the intention and this kind of goes back to the heart it where is your heart in this are you dressing this way because you want attention or you're trying to make some sort of statement or are you dressing in a certain style fashion that you just really like and that you really connect with precisely yeah it's kind of like makeup like I said earlier like makeup is an art form like a lot of the makeup 
that people wear can be considered an art form. And of course, some people do it because they want to make themselves look better. I mean, I've seen makeup that I would say is very inappropriate. I've seen very wacky things. And I think even makeup could be can be taken to a level that it was never meant to be. Because I think makeup is supposed to enhance or maybe improve your your facial structure, what you already have. I don't think it's meant to change. It's meant to accent yeah, your well, face. Well, this is like also- putting gemstones mm-hmm. all over your face and down your neck to make yourself look like a dragon just doesn't <laughs> fit with me. <laughs> well, so th- this is actually it's a different if it's a, it's a kind of a different topic, but we'll we'll um we'll go on to it for just just a second real quick. Is the thing with makeup is I feel like there's two different sections of makeup one is one to enhance your features and one is the one to like maybe look a little bit more presentable and then i feel like there's another one that's entirely an art form like i face paint for parties and i find it really fun and i think some makeup artists i think you can go overboard and i think there can be an area of that that's quite simple the bloody gory stuff yeah none yeah. of that yeah that yeah. there's a very dangerous world of that but i also think that there is something to be said for the art form of it so so finally we have the basically the big dragon in the room, which is immodest clothing. So immodest clothing spells out a different tale. One of competition. I don't think I need to explain that. Uh, Envy. Oh, she thinks she's prettier than me. Wait till she sees me in this sundress. Or back to what we were saying about the study of wearing red. Um, There's, it also can pull out pride, the wrong kind. Uh, And we'll get to the right kind of pride and what you wear in a moment. Um, And then there's just plain ignorance and impudence. And now I know what you guys must be stewing over. Like, oh, if all of those categories are out of the picture, the only option left for us is to become Amish Quakers with nothing but black and gray to wear. But that's not true in the least. So Kenna brought up the scripture verse of 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4 earlier. And I'm going to just read it through with an extra verse at, at the end. So whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing gold or of putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And like Kenna pointed out, Peter isn't prohibiting uh, dressing up or looking nice. In fact, he's assuming that we're already doing it. He's merely saying that our true beauty comes from the heart. Inner and outer beauty is not mutually exclusive. So if we want to be godly Christian women, and this is from Pastor Doug, if we want to be godly Christian women, we need to want to look like one. Remember, what we wear can affect how we behave. That means we have to treat the issue of modesty like the feminine virtue it is. We we can't treat it, as Pastor Wilson puts it, as a laugh line or like a legalistic weapon. Modesty does not mean you have to dress doubtily or without taste. Christian women are to strive to be adorned. Modesty merely means that you should aspire to be a class act. A class act is an attractive woman. An attractive woman is a lady. And a lady is a woman who comports herself with self-respect. And I think at the end of the day, this is what it comes down to. If you are honoring Christ by wearing clothes that cover your shame, as Alyssa said in the introduction episode, that means you are respecting yourself in the process. Exactly. And if you'll notice when we listed or when Jenna rather listed all of the different categories, we specifically didn't include um, 
like specific clothes like oh your shirt has to be this or your like and your, when we were your talking, shorts have to be this long and yeah all and of that. when we were talking about ripped jeans and about different things we weren't saying like oh because it was made with this intent in mind you cannot wear them exactly or even saying that they're bad but the reason why we didn't include that is actually very intentional and it's because Absolutely. like these things that these these sections that we've labeled they're the standard but the standard isn't like we can't define the standard because we know about modesty obviously the standard is what god's word says as jenna was saying in first peter chapter three but as for specific guidelines in our daily culture of what's fashionable in this time period you really have to be honest with yourself about your own conscience exactly and it's, it's kind of it's a point of almost wrestling with yourself and kind of i guess I don't know if I would want to say with God, but um, I guess just asking him for guidance in the area because absolutely, like, yeah, we know some very specific things like don't, don't do that. Don't do this. But then there are a lot of like smaller areas where right. it is up to, a con- to conscience. Because even within our circle, Ellie and I disagreed about ripped jeans. And that conscience that we're talking about is really based off of God's word and and he builds that in you as you read his word. And that's why it's so important to be in the word. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And to listen to the prompts of the Holy Spirit. So go read your Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know that the topic of modesty is so triggering to Christian women. And this is our last point. Because it's always in the framework of stumbling the brothers. And you and don't you want to protect men? Like you that That's the whole thing about modesty. I think we've made it clear that it really is about you have to res- honor Christ and respect yourself. But there is a point to be made in this area, uh, but from a different angle. One that was quite sobering, actually, for me to realize when I heard it from Pastor Wilson. Good men, the kind of Christian woman should want to marry, are going to steer clear of immodest women because their mothers taught them to respect women. And respecting women means staying away from women who refuse to respect themselves. Yes. Exactly. If you dress immodestly, you're going to get guys who want you for your body. Yes. If you dress respectively, you're going to get guys who want you for you. Yes, 100%. It, it really is, like Ellie said, a slippery slope. If good men steer clear of women who don't respect themselves, then by default, those women will only meet the kind of man that we christen a pig. Reality check. You meet who you attract. Wow, exactly. All right, so... I think that all about wraps up today's podcast. <laughs> I know we were kind of all over the place, but thanks thanks for bearing with us. And uh, there's just so much that, be, that can be said um, about modesty and about, you know, how, how to dress yourself and how to even present yourself. And so until next time, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence as 1 Corinthians 10.31 says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Thank you so much for listening. This is self-evident.